Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. If you're joining us uh, for the first time in-house, welcome home. We get to do this. There is freedom in the house of the Lord. Come on. There is freedom in the house of the Lord because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And where you go, he goes. Yeah. Amen. Um, I want to give a shout out. I don't know if Pastor Charmaine did this already, but... I'll do it again and just say hi to all of our friends that are actually streaming live right now from the Joshua House. Can we give it up for all those men and women and the staff? It's amazing what they do, as well as the men that are streaming. Um, did I say Joshua House? Okay, Ruth and Naomi's. Ruth and Naomi's, let's give it up for, there's men at the Joshua House, there's men and women at Ruth and Naomi's, and the Westminster ladies that are also watching, and everybody joining in online. Come on. Yeah, praise the Lord. Well, slightly excited uh, to share my heart with you this morning to get into God's word and share his word with you because he's got something good. Turn to someone and say, he's got something good for you. Mm, I know you came expecting. I know you came looking good, Tara. You look great. You know, God's got a word for you today. Uh, Despite the setback in your week, Sunday is the setup for your comeback, right? God's got a word for you. Uh, We've been doing this series called Kings and Queens. I don't know if you saw my my cool hoodie. Um, Yeah, woo come on. I'm I'm, I'm trying to brag on our amazing design team. There's a lot of creativity in this house. And and if you want that, you can be part of that. Go up to the Next Steps table. They'll hook you up. Uh, But yeah, we've been talking about men and women in leadership. You know, we can learn from great men and women and not so great men and women. And the Bible is full of both. (laughs) And so uh, I've entitled today's message, Can't Touch This. Yeah, I dated us. Some of you picture me in these big baggy pants and gold chain and... But no, 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 it has nothing actually to do with that. Um, But I don't know, I'm going to ask you this. I don't know if you've ever wanted to uh, avenge yourself or somebody else um, for the bad things that others did to you or what they did to them. Show of hands. You can be honest. It is in church. The Lord sees you. Okay. Yeah, I notice how I have a hand up too. So maybe you recognized um, the gifting on someone else's life or even on your own life, but it was misused and abused, right? And you weren't happy with the way that you were led or maybe the way that your friends have been led. So sometimes, even in leadership, leaders get it wrong. (gasps) Go figure, right? It becomes a matter of trust and not just trusting each other, but most importantly, trusting the Lord that all things will work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Can you trust God even in the midst of a trial? Will you trust him? You see, we must believe that God will honor those that honor others above themselves. Okay? And if we stay true to his word, if we stay true to his word and we honor each other, even when we don't always agree, come on, 
we can still be in alignment. We can still advance if we have the right posture. We studied the book of Judges in the first lesson. And you see Judges, uh, just to give you a snapshot, was uh, a book of moral corruption and it showed their need for wise, godly leadership. We learned about uh, a warrior chieftain, this amazing warrior woman named Deborah, right? And the influence that she had on God's people and the other leaders that she inspired. And she inspired others to face their enemies because faith cannot fix what you're not willing to face. And to stay focused on the main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing. And if we do so, and we stay true to our convictions, then God can use men and women, kings and queens, and they will be established through the battles. Because through the battles is where we find victory. Can't have victory without a battle. Then Pastor Charmaine shared in the book of Samuel about this woman named Abigail and how she married this wicked, foolish husband named Nabal, whose name actually means fool. And she reminded us, you know, when you're picking names for your kids, see what they mean. And she told us that, you know, kings and queens are, are recognized by their response ability. That was good, hon. And I want to continue in the book of Samuel today. And there, there are three main characters. There's this prophet Samuel. There's a king named Saul. And then there's another king named David. And all three transition the people from a group of rulers and judges um, to be unified under one kingdom and one king. And Samuel is key. He is the key leader and prophet in the first sections from chapters 1 to 7. And he plays a key role in Saul's story and in David's story. So you see, Saul rises to power and then falls to failure. And then there's a tragic death. And David, even David in his story, is told through both his success and his failure and the self-destruction of his family and kingdom. You see, going to Saul, Saul was picked by God. He was anointed by Samuel. And he's got big potential. The Bible describes him as this tall, handsome man, some, someone that you might see on the bachelorette or something. Or bachelor, sorry. <laughs> And he's got big potential, although he has deep character flaws. He's dishonest. He lacks integrity, and he doesn't acknowledge his own mistakes. I know there's no one like that here, but just saying. And then his biggest downfall, because he disqualifies himself by not obeying God's commands. And God says that a king must be humble. A king must be faithful. And God raises up and uses the most unlikely candidate, a young shepherd boy named David. And God's choice was based on David's radical humility and his trust in the Lord. And through that, he's able, he's able to defeat a lion, a bear, and even this giant they call Goliath. And David moves up to becoming a general and winning all kinds of battles. 
But then Saul becomes jealous of David and he turns that jealousy towards David and he tries to kill David. And David has done absolutely nothing wrong. They're actually on the same team. He's fighting for his king. And so David is forced to run and, and hide out in the wilderness. And this is where we find David and his men. They find themselves hiding in a cave. And Saul, the scripture says, needs to relieve himself. So he goes into this cave, and it must have been a, a big cave, I'm just saying. Because David and all his men are also in the cave. And so now David and his men must make a decision on what to do with Saul. And that's where we're going to take it from. 1 Samuel 24, starting in verse 4. Hold your Bibles up if you brought them, even if they glow. Look at all those glowing Bibles. Using it for good, not for evil. <laughs> awesome. If you're following along, you'd like to follow along with my notes, you can go to our uh, app on wherepeoplematter.church. Just a little plug, but you can click on version. and there's events, and then the first thing that should pop up is College Street, and you could read along with us. So verse 4 here, it says, The men said... This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and he cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Oh, how dare you? <sighs> I was saying to the men this morning, can you imagine if you just woke up one morning, you know, you throw your robe on and a piece of it's missing? Ah. <laughs> you might not think anything of it, but after this story, you might think something of it. So the first thing I want to talk about here is um, be careful not to take God's word out of context. Because okay? the men were right about the will of God on David's life, but what they weren't right about was the way. They misinterpreted the way that God wanted to move through David and even his enemies. We need to be careful not to take matters into our own hands, right? Especially when it comes to God's plans, if David had listened to these men and followed through on his actions, then you know what? He would have been leading not by faith, but he would have been led by fear. And he would have disqualified himself if he responded out of fear. He would have disqualified himself as the future king of Israel. You see, because it was a test. There's always a test when it comes to the trial. There's always a test. When we know that even in the workplace that testing precedes promotion, does it not? And sometimes it's a test of character. It's a test of heart. It tests our ability to trust, to, to weather through, whether do you, how much do you really want this and believe in this relationship? Sometimes it's just a test and it has a way of proving us. And see, Saul was, was a prideful man, and David was picked because of his heart, what was in his heart. When Samuel was sent by God to the house of Jesse, which was David's dad, to anoint the next king, he was given specific instructions. It says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or height or even his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord has sees not as a man sees, for a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And although David was hurt 
that his king was jealous and wanted him dead, he chose not to respond out of hurt, but out of honor. I believe David was able to do this because he knew that Saul was tormented. You see, David himself as a young shepherd boy was called into the chambers of Saul when he was being tormented to play the harp to calm him down. You can read about it in 1 Samuel 16, uh, 23, that David took the harp and played with his hands, so Saul was refreshed and well, and the evil spirit departed from him. You see, there's more to the story. There's always more to the story. And the first point that I want to talk about is royalty responds out of honor instead of hurt. Honor instead of hurt. And I think if, if someone had shared this to me years ago, especially when I was in high school, <laughs> and everything's a big deal then, and, and said, you know what? You need to respond out of honor, not hurt. You're not what you feel, Matt. You're what you decide. Most importantly, you're who God says you are. And you know the thing about love is love covers a multitude of sins. You could have the ability to move mountains and prophesy, but if you have not love, you're nothing more than a noisy gong or symbol. Love conquers all. 1 Corinthians 13. You see, the same heart of honor was in David. When your enemy draws near, he will do everything in his power to shift your focus against your brother or your sister, the one that you love the most, instead of staying the course. You see, because the Bible says that the devil is a deceiver. He's a liar. He seeks to devour and destroy, and he's always going to start with your relationships. But love, and 1 John 4 says that God is love. Love is our greatest liberator. In Romans 12, 10 to 11, it says to be devoted to one another in love. Say love. There it is. To honor one another above yourself. And then it goes on into verse 14, and it says, bless those that persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 19 says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. And then into verse 21, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's your superpower. Only God is good. There's the only way that you can overcome evil, but is with God. You do it on your own strength, by your own will, eh, good luck. It'll only get you so far. You need God's super in your natural. You need the God of love in you, the ability to forgive, the grace to forgive and move on and bless those that persecute you. Come on. You need God. In verses uh, five and six, it says, afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. He said to his, he said, sorry, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed, anointed by the Lord. Here's point two. 
Conviction is the crown of kings and queens. You can add that. You should have put kings and queens. Conviction is the crown of kings. You see, sin condemns us, but the spirit convicts us. Condemnation pronounces us as guilty. Sentenced to punishment, passing judgment. You know, Satan is called the accuser of our brothers and sisters in, in Revelations 12, verse 10. It says that now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sister who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Come on, it is finished. We did a great series on that. If you recognize that and you believe God's word to be true, you can say it is finished. It is finished. Jesus overcame sin and death through the resurrection power. It is finished. You don't have to just fight for victory anymore in your life. You can fight from a place of victory. You know it is finished. Right, Pastor Lucinda? It is finished. I just saw you there. Good to have you home. Welcome home. Speaking of honor, Pastor uh, Lucinda and Pastor Morris were the pastors before us in this church that uh, set us in, prayed for us a long time in advance, brought us into ministry. So can we just give it up for the mighty men and women of God for taking a chance on us? Wow. Good to have you. I know it's a sacrifice traveling from Edmonton to be here, and it's not. Welcome home. So living by conviction means living accordance to what we believe to be true, what God's word says, according to what we've been convinced is true through the word of God. For you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's about relationship. You know, you, you took your first step into a life of conviction when you first put your faith in Christ, right? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for yet not seen. The evidence. But faith without works is dead. So you need to make a step. But it's conviction that calls us to Christ. Let's go to verse 7. Are you liking this this morning? <laughs> Praise the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went away. You see, rebuking refers to confronting error and pointing out sin. It conveys a sense of conviction, convicting someone. Again, not condemnation. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus himself loved Peter. If you know anything about Peter, he was called Simon. And I love Simon because I kind of relate to him. He's just constantly going after Jesus. He's saying things that he shouldn't be saying, sometimes doing things he shouldn't be doing, but he always goes back to Jesus. You know, Simon was in the boat with, his, with the rest of the disciples once, and Jesus was walking on water. And Simon's like, whoa, if he can do it, maybe I can do it, right? He didn't say that, but that's probably what he was thinking. And he said, Lord, if it's you, call out to me to come on the water. And Simon walks on water 
towards Jesus. But it says as soon as he looked at the wind and the waves and the storm, he began to sink. That's a message for someone today. You've been focusing on the wrong thing. You've been listening to the wrong people and you wonder why you're sinking. But Jesus, someone say, but Jesus, when Simon began to sink, he cried out to the Lord and the word says, immediately Jesus reached out and grabbed him. Woo! I don't care if you've been sinking or sinking. All you got to do is cry out to Christ. Reach for him. And the same Simon, where, where all these disciples are following Jesus and they're witnessing miracles and after following him, he has to say to them, who do others say I am? And they list off a bunch of people. And then, and then he says, but he looks at them and he says, who do you say I am? Who is Christ to you? Again, if he's just a carpenter, he might make you a good table. He's much more than that. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. And so Simon, he speaks up and he says, you're the son of God. He has the revelation, the revelation that Jesus is Lord. You're Lord, you're son of God, you're Lord. And he says, blessed are you, Peter, for this was revealed to you, not by man, but by my heavenly father. And, and you can imagine Peter, he's like, yes, I got it right. And he's just so jacked and excited. And then in the next moment, Jesus starts to say how he needs to go to the cross. And his calling is the cross. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be crucified. And then, oh, bless Simon, who actually got a new name now called Peter, because Simon means the reed. It is blown this way and that way. And then Jesus says, you will no longer be called Simon, but the rock. And upon this rock, not Simon, by the way, but the revelation that Simon got, you'll be called Peter. Upon this revelation, I will build my church and not even the gates of hell will prevail. Woo! But then Jesus starts to say, I need to go to the cross. I'm going to be crucified. And he's like, oh, Lord, no, 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 no. You, you don't have to do that. You see, Simon had, or Peter had the best, uh, what he thought was the best interest. He had good intention, but not the best interest. Oh, that's someone should write that down. It's not in my notes. You may have good intentions, but not the best interest for your brother or your sister. Others may have a, a good intention, but not always our best interest. And in that moment, Jesus rebukes him. In Matthew 6, 23 of the Amplified Version, it says, but Jesus turns and he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you, do, you are not setting your minds on things of God, but the things of man. How many times in the day are we setting our mind on the things of man and not the things of God? And yet we don't, we don't expect someone to come rebuke us. But remember, Jesus loves Peter. He's rebuking that spirit that is in him that is not of God. And see, royals have the ability, and I must say they also have the right to rebuke so that we can be realigned in our calling. You have the right. 
if the right people are, are, are serving alongside you and doing it the Jesus style way, they have the right. You know, I rebuke my kids sometimes. <laughs> I love them. I absolutely love them. But the, and the enemy will always try to attack the anointing. Hence, try. You should write that down. He's going to try. He's going to try, but he's going to fail. Because every time he reminds me of my past, I'm going to remind him of his future. Right? <laughs> you know, anointing simply actually means to, uh, it means to, to, to smear or rub oil. I was telling the, the worship team before we went to pray, I said, I, like, I anoint my pan all the time before I cook. But it's a word that we use sometimes all the time and we don't really always know it within its context or, or, or how it goes into the New Testament and represents the Holy Spirit. It means concentrated. It means sacred. It means dedicated to God. It means health and comfort as a token of honor. King Saul and David were both anointed and they were both attacked. Either externally or internally, they were attacked. You have been anointed by the Holy Spirit with the power to go about doing good and healing all those who are oppressed. By who? The devil. We have the power to set the captives free and to do the work of the ministry. You have been sanctified. Say, I have been sanctified. I have been set apart. Hmm, that sounds good when you guys say it. Verse 8. Then David went out of the cave and he called out to Saul, My Lord, the king! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated, prostrated himself in the face, with his face to the ground. Prostrated. He got into a prone position. You see, before a prince can become a king, he must prove that he has the right posture. Many would like to believe that it's their right that makes them royal. The Israelites believed the same thing, that because they were the descendants of Abraham, that they were automatically anointed. They were automatically saved. But it's not about your position. It's about your posture. Jesus himself came to a manger Born in a manger. He was not born in a palace. If anyone could teach us this, it was Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords laid down his life as a sacrifice for you and everybody else. That all who would believe would be saved. It's about your posture. This is, our, this is true in our walk with God. We can say that we're Christians and that Christ lives in us but if we don't respond out of righteousness we don't have the right we learned last week that royals have a response ability we have the ability to respond out of humility out of honor and with a servant's heart we all have the same ability 
This is the posture that the Lord calls and commands us of us as Christians. In Matthew 20, 25 to 27, but Jesus called them together and he said, you know the rulers of this world lord over it and over their people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them? That never happens anymore, eh? Verse 26, but among you, it'll be different. Say it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must also become your slave. We also learned that submission is getting underneath the other person's mission. That was good, honey. In Matthew 23, 12, Jesus said, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Don't let pride become your pitfall. This was the case for Saul. The way to overcome pride is to reposition your posture. And the best position of posture is praise. It is. It's praise. It's humbling yourself and worshiping him, making him, and he already is, bigger than anything else that you ever may face or try to come against. Verse 9. He said to Saul, Why do you listen to these men say David is bent on harming you? This day, you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. And I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. David said, why do you listen to those men? Be careful who you listen to. Both David and Saul were getting bad advice from their own men, right? Both had to do with the fear of their king being harmed. Although the men probably believed again that they were doing the right thing by protecting the leadership, the enemy was causing them to fight against the very one that they should have been fighting for. The enemy will try, try to cause division in the household. Saul and David were both leaders of the Israelites. Same family, same God, same team. And God would use what the enemy meant for evil to challenge the character of both men. Will you keep your posture of praise even in the midst of pain. God is asking you, will you pursue me and my will even when you don't want to? It's a matter of will versus wants. It's a matter of trust versus trial. And it's a matter of calling versus comfort. If you're willing, God will work. Imagine if, imagine if we as a church responded out of honor instead of hurt. 
were a crown of conviction instead of condemnation and practice the right posture instead of holding on to a position. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death on a cross. Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Would you stand with me, ladies and gentlemen? see, the thing about kings and queens is they advance in the face of an attack by choosing honor instead of hurt, by choosing to wear a crown of conviction instead of condemnation and to carry the right posture instead of holding on to a position. I don't know where you're at right now in this season. I don't know what you've been facing. But what I do know is that my God is bigger. And there's nothing that he can't handle or hasn't already taken to the cross when he said it is finished. And if you're here today and, and, and the word of God is just speaking to your heart and you long for more, you long to experience more, you know that God has got more for you in your life and those around you, And if you would let him, if you would just let him in today, the word for someone is, would you just let go and let God? Would you just let go and let God? It's hard to to change our posture when all we do is close our fist. Would you let go and let God? Don't give up on people, but give people up to God. Would you let go and let God? Would you let him in today? Or in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world, that he so loved us, loved us that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. I had this, uh, two mornings ago, I had this vision when I woke up, I woke up about uh, the cross, and you know, a lot of people, they, they wear the cross, you know, even gangsters wear the cross, you know, and, and the thing that, the, that I sensed the Lord was saying that faith is not a fashion statement, it's timeless, it's not trendy. And and I'm, you know, I wish everyone would wear the cross. That's cool, you know, but he wants, he's much more than what we see on the outside. It's what he's doing on the inside. Just like he did in David, he wants to do in you. Jesus said, take up your cross, follow me. The gospel is God's offered solution, providing everlasting life. The gospel. And would you just receive him? The good news right here right now Paul said in Romans 10 verse 9 if we believe in our hearts confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God the Father raised his son from the grave that we will be saved just let him in right now I I would like to just pray with you right now if that's cool we're going to do exactly that some of you might be it's your first time 
Some of you might be like, what it was for me, it's your comeback moment because this is your comeback season, but it starts with Christ. And would you just pray this prayer with me? Just say, dear Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to be all in. I'm ready to turn from my way and turn to your way. I thank you for your grace, for your forgiveness. Would you forgive me of my sins? I believe that you died for me. And three days later, you rose from the grave. Would you come into my life, be Lord over my life, <laughs> be my God, my Savior, and my friend. I thank you. My past is past, and today's a new day with you. In Jesus' name. <laughs> just stay in the moment. I, I just want to respect the moment. Eyes closed. In the moment, in the moment. God is moving in the moment. This is your moment. And if the Lord spoke to you in some way today that was relevant into his word, just put your hand up right now. Say, he's speaking to me. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to me. Hands up all around the room. Beautiful. You can put it down. The second is this. If, if, if you started a relationship with him tonight, uh, this morning, we just put your thumb up and say, I invite him in today. Today's my day, Pastor. Thank you. Right on. Today's my day. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Praise you, Jesus. And if you're coming back to him, it's just as important as the first time. Would you put your thumb up around the room? Thumbs up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today and the evidence of your spirit moving in this house. We thank you, Lord, that you would release the fruits of the spirit over all of us in our homes and our, work, our workplace. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and oh, yes, Lord, self-control. I need that, and I thank you for that in advance. Bless my brothers and sisters today. Bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This next part's pretty cool too. So at College Street, if you've been around for any time, we're all commissioned. The church as a whole is commissioned to make disciples. We're not called to make converts. And, and uh, in Matthew 28, Jesus said this. He said, go into all the world, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey my commands and surely I am with them always, even to the ends of the earth. And I recall in Acts 15, when the new converts and even the, those that were converting from Judaism to, Judaism to Christianity and they were still hung up on some of their old rituals and religion and, and they were challenging these new believers. They didn't think they were saved because they weren't circumcised. Good thing they came up with an answer for that one. And James spoke up and he said, this, I believe that we should not make it difficult for those that are coming to know the Lord. Praise Jesus. And so we don't want to make it difficult. And I, I talked to you about what anointing means. I'll talk to you about what baptism means. It just means to be fully immersed. Fully immersed. Sometimes when you boil the water, you're baptizing your eggs. You don't even realize it, but nobody uses that. <laughs> like, I baptize you. But it's so much more. And in Romans 6, it says that when we are baptized, we're baptized with Christ. We're buried and resurrected with Christ. It says when we go in the water that, that we are literally going to the grave with Christ. 
And it represents when we come up out of the water, it says we're resurrected with Christ. It's so powerful. It's not just a public declaration and a display. It's saying, hey, I'm turning from my ways and I will follow Jesus all the days of my life. And for some of us, you know, we've been kind of in, partly in, and today's your day to go all in. It'd be an honor to, for my wife and I to be able to baptize you today. So if that's you, you can come down at any time as we sing. We have extra clothes. And, and uh, even if you just need a little bit of prayer or, or you just want to worship with us up front, you can come do that. But let's step into that now. Let's worship God. Thank you for tuning in today. And thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.